I invite you to turn in your Bibles as I read the scripture this morning. The scripture is in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. First, excuse me, 2 Peter, did I say that correctly? 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the, law, of the lawless for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. We are in a series on standing firm. And this morning, I want to begin by just reading again the, the, from the outline of the ser- series, there was a description of this particular Sunday's theme. God is a just God and will always have the last say concerning our enemies and those who spew false doctrine. God is in control of all events and knows how to spare the righteous and judge the unrighteous. When we feel confused about what certain leaders are saying about the Lord, we can feel confident in comparing their words to the Bible. God has given us uh, the word as a gauge that... uh, we can be confident in his truth. Continue in thinking this, in thinking that that is wholesome. And that really is the encouragement. Um, one of the difficulties that we have is uh, trying to make sure that everything balances out. You know, one of the real struggles that we have isn't so much our own sin, but when we see other people's sin and we want to make sure that justice is going to be done. And sometimes we see it as our role to make sure that someone gets treated the way that they deserve. Uh, It's a real challenge, but the reality is that we often want others to be treated in ways that when we make mistakes, we would not necessarily want to experience that kind of judgment from other people as well. The question is, what is a just reward? And do we trust God that he will make all things balanced, evened out? Will God make sure that all accounts are payable? Will the books be cleared by God? Will there be an accounting in the appropriate way that is fair and applied to all of us. That inconsistency in the way that we think about others and the way that we think about ourselves is one of the great struggles 
because we, we think things should be fair. We look at all kinds of contests and we think that that was a mistake. And no matter how many times they review a pitch or how many times they review a play, even the best video evidence sometimes leaves it as who was right, who was wrong. Was it the right call? Was it not the right call? And we get upset because we think justice should be done. There was a cartoon that pictured a pastor in his office. You know, whenever I hear about cartoons like that, I, my ears perk up. Uh, this pastor was sitting behind his desk and there was this look of utter disbelief on his face. Standing in front of him was a church member, Mrs. Trent. She had just said, according to my horoscope, pastor, this is a good week to preach against false doctrine. (laughs) That is us. We are an inconsistent people. We live in an era in which truth is proclaimed as relative. And we end up not being sure about what to believe and what is a lie and what is truth anymore. According to the Barna Research Group, 82% of Americans believe that God helps those who help themselves is actually a Bible verse. 82%. Now, you could say, oh, well, you know, that's the general population. Yeah, well, um, actually, for those practicing Christians who claim to be practicing Christians, 50% believe that it's a Bible verse. God helps those who help themselves. Well, actually, it's not a Bible verse, in case you didn't know. Uh, So maybe there's one thing that you can gain from this morning's lesson is, is, is talking about and thinking about what is actually in Scripture and what has been born out of a cultural desire for it to be in Scripture. There's a big difference between those two things. We think that our justice should be in Scripture. We think that we can apply Bible verses to everybody else, but not necessarily to ourselves. There is an incredible amount of increase in the the normalization of lying anymore in our culture, in our country. Researcher Brandon Gale has studied this question and found the following from his studies. By the age of four, 90% of all children have learned to lie. Americans will tell an average of 11 lies a week. In a 10-minute conversation, American adults tell an average of three lies. 13% of patients admit that they lie to their physician. Well, I fell, but actually, and this really is true, I fell because I was watching my wife try to mow around an object, and I tripped over another object. And then she mowed right by me, blowing the grass right into my face. (laughs) That is not a lie. We'll deal with justice later. (laughs) Maybe you can help us, counsel us through that. 
Um, you know, what he was pointing out with all of these, he's, oh, he, he went on to say that 30% of Americans lie about diet and exercise. American men tell six lies a day to their partner, boss, or their colleagues. American women tell three lies a day to their partner, boss, or colleagues. Colleagues. 70% of liars admit that they would tell the same lies again. It's become normal. So one of the things that doesn't make sense is we say that we want to stand for God. You know that old song that says, if you, if you don't stand for anything, if you, uh, how, does that, how does that go? Uh, if... if uh, if you, yeah, you'll fall for anything. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, I think is the line from the song. Thank you. And uh, that whole thing is, what do we stand on? What is there to stand on? And it, it has uh, confronts us with the degree to which we want to change the reality through our own lives internally or to other people. And, and so we struggle with that. And so we, when we're on the receiving end of others' sin and deceit, we cry for justice. But when we're committing it, we cry for grace if we're found out. We also have a great need for justice to be done. And we, we don't want to let people off the hook. We want to make sure that they're getting paid. This is Peter, what Peter says, the passage read this morning. He's addressing this issue of justice. He's saying, for if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not, and notice these, all these ifs, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, if he, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, if he rescued Lot. So it isn't just if someone fails, it's also if someone stands firm, also God has a promise. You will stand and you will be rescued and you will be empowered and you will be covered under my wings. And so he, in verse nine, he said, If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials, hold the unrighteous for punishment on the the day of judgment. This is especially true for those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. So I don't know if you're with Mrs. Trent in following the horoscope. If you do, I would say maybe scripture could be a better read for your day than that. Uh, but Isaiah, let's just look at a couple of passages that make this clear. So I, what I want to establish here, first of all, is to make it clear that God's got this. God's gonna take care of it. And our job is to, to be able to trust and put faith that God will deal with it in the right way, in the right time. Isaiah 28, 17. Judgment also will I lay on to, the, to the line and righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. Second Chronicles 20. You will not have to fight this battle, God said. 
Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So then, dear brothers and sisters, be firm. Do not be moved. Always be outstanding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And here's, this, here's, the, here's the thing. The problem with our taking up justice takes us away from our purpose, for what we were created for, what we were redeemed for, and what we've been called and sent to do by the leading of the Holy Spirit. The problem of, of holding on to vengeance and a vengeful spirit, of holding on to making sure every one of you gets exactly what you deserve and it's my job to make sure you get it is the primary thing it does. So, so we talk about this standing firm. It's not just standing, it's actually moving. There's basically three things. Now, let me tell you this. How many of you have ever, ever seen a child learn to walk? Have you ever seen that? How many here? Probably most of you. How many of you have ever seen that child walk before they stand? Anyone? What miracle you have to come up and tell us about? No child walks before they learn to stand. And so spiritually, we're called to stand on God's word, to stand on God's love, to stand on God's teaching and his, his leading, his guiding, to stand on the reality of God proclaiming again and again and again, even through Christ, he did before Christ, he did through Christ, he has through the Holy Spirit, that we will have victory over anything. Now, that's a word that we need today because everything is so negative. These last five years have been a challenge to the church. Well, people are leaving the church. Well, the church is irrelevant. Well, the church is a dying thing. Well, community isn't anymore. Well, I'm here to say and proclaim today not for those of us who are going to stand on God's word. We're going to hold together. We're going to bind our hearts together. And we're going to do what God calls us to do in this world. And we do it through our ministries. We do it through our, our, our care of each other. We do it through our visitation. We do it through our, our wiffle ball games. We do it through our movie nights. We do it through singing. We do it through praising. We do it through clapping for each other. And we, we do it for, uh, we just clap. Let's clap for our staff all again. Now, now, let me just tell you one thing. Some of you are okay at clapping. But I mean, let's, let's actually really clap, okay? Let's do this again. I'm gonna, we're going to do a training thing here. Clap like you mean it. Now that's the energy that God's calling for. 
He doesn't want us doing half-hearted things. Well, I, I guess I could go do it. Well, I, I guess, you know, I think I could get it done. Well, well, you know, I'm not sure. It won't be any good, but I'll try it. Well, I'm going to drywall. I'm going to be a mudder. I'm going to go up there and, and try to slap some mud on, which, by the way, Rich, don't ever have me help you mud. <laughs> You'll have more on you than on the wall, I'm telling you. Um, you know, we, we don't approach things halfway. This is what God is basically saying to us all throughout his word. These scriptures call us to stand firm and strong because it's only by standing strong that we're able to actually then move step by step in a direction. And for us as a church, for, for all of the churches across this country, a church loses that and you might as well close your doors. We've got a destination. And here's the other part of that analogy. What is the thing that children who have just learned to stand and now have learned to walk, where are they going? Anyone? What's the first place they're going to go to? A parent. Right? They're going to take steps. And sometimes you watch a parent backing up. How, how you know, cruel is that? You know? It's like, they, it's like ah, I, got, I got one step. What, you're backing up away from me? I got to take another one and another. And they, but some of the first walks that children make are to their parents. That's walking with a purpose. It's not just saying, hey, I can walk. I'm great. It's no, I'm going to be walking. Where, and that's something spiritually we need to learn. That we don't just stand firm because, yeah, we're good. We're righteous. We're tough. We'll make it. We're stoic. No, we stand firm in order to be able to then move in the steps of the Holy Spirit toward a purpose that God has for us. That is true individually, it's true corporately, it's true in every single way. People can walk all over the place, but if they have no purpose or destination for their walk, if, if any athlete uh, or any musician ever said, well, you know, I just, I want to keep getting better, but I'll just keep trying on my own. I'll keep trying. And I get no instruction. I get no coaching. You're just kind of making it up and struggling. But you get coaching and you get specific instruction. Do this in a particular play. Uh, do this as you move your fingers on the instrument to, and, and as you do is work at this form. Uh, all of those kinds of ways are instructing us to be able to work with a better purpose and a sharper purpose and a sharper focus. And so this idea that, that, that Peter is calling the people in this day, in the light of the persecution of the Roman government, he's calling them to basically uh, make a choice to begin by standing and so we have really three choices to be able to overcome the world. Choose who you will stand on, the truth, belief in God. Choose, number two, choose who you will follow, which is our practice. How, what do we live in that we're called to live like Jesus? And third, choose who you will serve. What is the purpose? 
What are you going for? What, are, what is the direction that you want to go in? If you want to go in that direction, then take these steps toward that and, and be intentional about that. Um, you know, we've got to also choose not to waver in that. And we've seen that. You know, you, when you see a child teeter, they start to walk, but then they have a, you can see the doubt go across their face. I'm not sure, I'm not sure, and I wobble a little bit, and then they plunk down uh, because they're waving. We are, as adults, are called to not waver. Uh, I don't know what I would say to Mrs. Trent about her horoscope, but it would probably be fairly directive. Uh, it was like, what, you want me to preach about false doctrine, and you, you're getting that from your horoscope? Um, you know, the inconsistency of it, it's, it's because there's a lack of intentional direction in what they're doing. In 1 Kings 18.21, it says, Elijah went before the people and said, now listen to these words, this is awesome. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. In other words, make a choice. Be clear about it. Sometimes we waver between wanting to follow God and wanting to follow the world. If that is the case, we will definitely struggle in our faith. And we will, we will be, as scripture says, an, uh, a, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that is so, so absolutely true. Um, notice um, that in Romans chapter 4, it says, Against all hope, there was no hope for Abraham and Sarah. Against all hope, Abraham uh, in hope believed, and so he became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, So shall your offspring be, without weakening in his faith, He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised to do. Do we have that kind of stand firm faith? Do we have that kind of of firmness of letting God do his job and getting back in our lane of being obedient? Abraham knew his lane. Abraham knew what where he was supposed to be and he followed it. And it's it's really really difficult sometimes for us because there are so many ways that tempt us, that get us to, that cause us to question our faith. Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And in 1 Peter 5.8 and 9, Peter says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, and then he concludes by saying, 
resist him. Resist him. Stand firm, resist the devil, and take steps to walk with God. And the justice? What about the justice? There was a couple, Matteo and, Gener- and uh, Generosa in Tanzania. And in their town, they met. They, they eventually got married. And Matteo was actually had a different business he owned a shop along a street that had many, many shops. But there was a lot of tension between the Muslim groups and the Christian and the few Christians that were there. And um, Matteo was good enough in his church and his faith and his skills that he was soon asked to be the church's administrator. He went to Bible school. Long story short, he ended up becoming their pastor. Well, as you can tell, in many cases where there's a lot of violence and lack of trust in the Muslim Christian communities jointly, there was in their town, the town of Gaeta. And there had been a growing sense of violence between the two groups, and it was getting worse. And um, Matteo continued to teach the word of God and he was strong, but the Muslims uh, tried to force a legal requirement about killing animals. And um, it was getting very heated in some of the debates. And there was a politician at the time that decided to make it a law against slaughtering animals. And one day, Generosa Generosa, uh, heard over the loudspeaker in the town that it was now being made illegal to do that. Not only that, but she heard mobs forming outside. And all she could do was pray when her husband the pastor, Matteo, was in the middle of the street and a mob came and attacked him because he was accused falsely, but accused of killing an animal, which he had not done. And they used machetes and they beat him and he was transported to the hospital, but on the way to a bigger hospital, eventually died. They had 11 children. And a couple of the children were old enough to see this mob kill their own father. And uh, this was a very difficult, tragic, and heartbreaking thing. And even though that happened, and even after he passed, while there were those that helped the family with emergency shelter, Generosa reminds herself to fast and pray through all of this. She was very anxious. She thought they would come after their children. As it turns out, eventually the government investigated. They charged one person, one person for his murder. And there were others. Before Matteo had passed away there in the street, 
uh, while, before he went unconscious. He passed away two days later. Before he went unconscious, a friend who came out and, and, and tried to, and got the people to stop, he told him who the people were that beat him up and were macheting him and killing him. And he was able to tell Generosa. These people are still in that town today. These are people that stay, she still sees. And how do you think justice was being done? Was justice being served? Was it going to be served? And whose was it to serve? Would you go after those people? You know what Generosa did and her 11 children? They held to their faith. They moved back to their home and they continued to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And can you imagine that she would see people pass in the city streets that she knew had been part of that mob that killed her husband? But she understood very clearly that that was not her battle. They didn't feel the need to seek revenge. They said, okay, perhaps God knows why this happened and will take care of us. Their oldest son, Valentin, attended a Bible school on a scholarship. After graduating, he decided to live and work where he could help support his mother and siblings there in the very town. Teaching and serving and representing someone with a faith that not even taking a life could take that away. And can you imagine the conversion of those who see something that is not in any other religion in the world, the grace and love of Jesus Christ in the face of all injustice. That's what Jesus did on the cross when he said to the repentant sinner beside him, today you will be in paradise. God gives us grace. We need to give ourselves the grace that Jesus has already given to us. We need to not suddenly feel loving. We are going to be humiliated, broken, beat up, put down, attacked, humiliated by this world. But we know that we will have victory. Let's stand firm and not be shaken.